Reality Church is a church striving to be biblical. We pray that this sermon would help you in your personal walk. Be blessed. Good evening, Reality Church. Uh, Welcome to this B2B teaching um, as we continue to talk on repentance. Hope you guys are all safe and warm, that you all have power and water and everything that you need. Um, during this uh, interesting weather situation that we have here in our uh, neck of the woods. Um, And for all of you out there who may not be from where we are, we are not used to ice and snow and super frigid temperatures, and that's what we've had this week. So um, it's been an interesting week for all of us in our area. But I want to, uh, first of all, call you to worship this evening as we go into our teaching. Open the gates of righteousness that we may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this time that we can gather together. God, just to study through your word, learn from you and understand this great concept of repentance, which you've led us to. Through your Holy Spirit, God, we pray that all are seeing the joy within uh, this this teaching, God, that we can be a people of repentance, God, that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let that be something that touches all of our hearts and pushes us to be a people of repentance, God, if we're in you. God, I pray for all those who may be struggling right now, God, through weather or health situations, God, be merciful and send help in your will, God, that they may be safe and healthy as you will it, God, through your sovereign ordained will. God, we trust you to know what is best for all of us. So we ask for that and your mercies to be extended to those people, God. God, I pray for each person who may be listening to this, that they may hear exactly what they need to hear, God, to change their hearts and their lives forever. God, I pray that you would help us to see all that you would have us to see through the word, God. And I just thank you for the time that we live in, God, that we have freedom to have the word of God and these great resources that we have, God, that we have that ability to have those things. God, we know that you are uh, merciful to this country and the people in it, God, but let us never take sight off of you and put it on anything besides you as the one who has given us that freedom. God, I just ask that you help us all to understand that we are citizens of heaven first, and that is the most important thing, God, that we are your children if we are in you and that we have those rights only because of what Christ has done for us. So, God, just be with us tonight as we go through this this teaching, God. Let everybody who hears it be touched and, and helped in some way. Holy Spirit, illuminate this scripture for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we continue in this, I want to begin with a, a set of verses um, after we uh, after we say our Apostles' Creed together. I want to dig into a set of verses that maybe we don't necessarily associate with repentance, but is actually extremely important when we look at what repentance is. But first, let us say our Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, 
and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. So thankful for that. And, and let us go straight into what the word uh, would say. Um, I want to go to Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. Now hear the infallible, inspired word of God. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord is mer merciful and gracious. Let me, let me start back. Let me go back a little bit. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the joy that we find in it. We thank you that it is infallible and errant and inspired, and we can trust in what it says, God, for it is the truth. God, we just ask that you would remove the veil tonight, that we can see a clear revelation of who you are in this word, that we may understand exactly what you would have to say to us, God, and that we know that we can trust it. God, I just ask that you would imprint this word upon our hearts that we may retain it and use it. Holy Spirit, illuminate it for us. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this, it's kind of a contradiction. It almost seems like in terms when you say that God is merciful and has steadfast love towards, towards so many. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in that steadfast love and faithfulness. But then it says, but he will not clear the guilty. So what, what, how are we bringing that into what we're talking about tonight with repentance? Well, I think it's clear. God is so merciful. His mercy is unbelievable. The fact that he would even choose to extend that mercy to people like us um, is, is amazing to me. And he has done that, yet we are held responsible to repent. We, we must repent and trust in the gospel. Why? Because we are guilty of sin. Uh, we have done it. All of us have. We are all under that guilt of sin. Therefore, we must repent. So we approach the subject of repentance tonight by asking a question. And, and I think that question is, why are we all, why are we to call people to repentance? You know, you hear, uh, you hear that term used by preachers that we, we want to call people to repentance. Well, why is that? And I think Watson, um, in his book, The Doctrine of Repentance, which I hope that you've all gotten a copy. If you haven't yet, please do. It's, it's great. Um, he answers these questions so clearly. So let's look at what he talks about in his book, and let's look as, as he uses the word to expound on this principle 
and and let us let, let us try and gain some knowledge of what needs to be learned ourselves so uh, why call to repentance um the first answer that watson gives i think is a very clear one it's maybe probably the most uh you know duh moment <laughs> that watson has in his book it's so great but it it's absolutely should be something we all know. Why do we call to repentance? Well, God's sovereign command. God sovereignly commanded it. Um, where do we see that? We see that clearly in Acts uh, 17, 30 and 31, when it says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by man, whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Of course, that being Christ. So as we look at that set of scripture there, we see very clearly that Paul is preaching, I believe this is his sermon to the Areopagus, these men who are so learned, he, he is clearly telling them, look, He's commanding now everyone needs to repent. And, you know, uh, before he had spoken to Israel to be repentant. Well, now he's speaking to all men everywhere. The Gentiles are included now to repent. That is a key ingredient of having relationship with our God is to repent. And he, he's calling for that. So I want to read you a quote off of uh, page 59 of, of the book. It says, God has enacted a law in the high court of heaven, that no sinner shall be saved except the repenting sinner, and he will not break his own law. So Watson points out very clearly here that um, <laughs> God made this law. God decided this. We see it clearly. He now commands people everywhere to repent. So uh, it's clearly his sovereign command that that is how we gain access into Christianity, into sonship, as as we teach in our, we've been teaching about in the past few weeks in our, um, in our Sunday sermons. But God is absolutely merciful, absolutely, and he, he he's very clear about it. But he, the unrepentant will not receive that mercy. The unrepentant will receive wrath, as we'll continue to talk about. Those who repent will receive his mercy because he has commanded that all should repent in order to gain, uh, gain that mercy and, 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 and access into the great promises which he has given us. So that is a clear, clear command of God. Now, the next reason that, um, that, that Watson points out is, a, is, is also a very good one. He, he points out the fact that God's nature... Uh, and I paraphrase this from him. Um, of course, he wrote this book a long time ago. So his language is a little different than ours. So I tried to kind of bring it into our language. God's nature is pure, will not enter into communion with one who is not repentant, uh, who, somebody who is unrepentant. He, he, he won't enter into communion with them. How do we see that? Well, we can go all the way back to Isaiah and see the order uh, which he uses um, Isaiah 1, 16 and 17, it says, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil 
of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Beautiful set of scripture. Awesome. Shows the redemption power of Christ and what he has accomplished through his uh, atonement upon the cross. But in these verses, if you'll notice, a repentance precedes a time of communion with God. So the repentance comes first. It says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove your evil deeds, cease to do evil. These things that point to uh, repentance as an act of as an act of attrition, an act of uh, being repentant for our sins, you know, the things that we've taught, you know, sorrow for sin, uh, turning from sin, all those things that we've been teaching uh, for the last several weeks, that's what's being shown here as um, what is necessary um, to enter into that time of communion when he says, come now, let us reason together. And that's when, when we are repentant, he, he is faithful and just, and he says, okay, you have repented and you've trusted in Christ. Now your sins which were like scarlet are now white as snow. So Jesus paid that price and he paid it all. In this verse, you know, it's clear repentance must precede communion with God. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? Now we know about God that he is light, and in him there is no shadow, no darkness whatsoever. So he is not going to have any communion with darkness. So if there's still darkness remaining in us due to unrepentance, he's not going to commune with us. We must repent and trust in Christ in order to be justified and saved. Exodus uh, 23, 7 says, Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. The wicked are the unrepentant, those who have not repented for those things, those who have not repented and trusted in Christ as the only hope that they have for salvation. They, they will receive God's wrath 100% without a doubt, um, no chance outside of repentance and trust in Christ. Uh, on, on page 60, Watson said this, If God should be at peace with the sinner before he repents, God would seem to like and approve all that he has done. He would go against his own holiness. It is inconsistent with the sanctity of God's nature to pardon a sinner while he is in the act of rebellion. So, so God, if he was to just pardon us all without repentance, what we would see is he is unjust. Because perfect justice requires a change, a repentance, a turning from our wicked ways and a turning towards Christ. So he's not unjust in that way. He requires repentance in order to have communion with us. So the next uh, type of, uh, the next reason why we call to repentance is this, is that, that unrepentant sinners are outside of Christ's commission. Now, this is not to be confused with the Great Commission. This is what Christ came to do, okay, that, 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 that works into the Great Commission because we do the work of telling people what Christ has come to do. But Christ's commission is this, 
I have two verses for it, and I think they kind of outline exactly what God uh, came to do in, in the form of God the Son. It's this, Isaiah 61, 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So those who are bound in the, in, in the evil of sin, the, the darkness of sin, Christ came to set them free, to be the light that shines in their life, to break the chains of bondage that we have to sin. You know, as Paul talks about in Romans, we go from being a slave to sin to being a slave to righteousness because of Christ. We have a new marriage because of Christ. These things that change, that's what Christ came to do. That's his commission. Acts 5.31 said, God exalted him as his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. So Christ has come to give repentance. And in doing that, that's how he sets free the brokenhearted. He sets free the bound and he, and he delivers them. He, he, he brings about uh, freedom from captivity. And that's how he does it, uh, through repentance. And only one who repents is truly saved. We, we need to understand that. That's, 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 the, uh, that's the way of salvation. That is how it happens. It is not happening any other way besides repentance and, and trust in Christ. The first message that Christ even preached is that we should repent and believe the gospel. So is it absolutely essential? And someone who says they are saved yet have never repented, they fall outside of Christ's commission. They're not the people he's talking about because the people that Christ has come to save are, are people who repent because he has called them out of that, that bondage and that darkness and brought them in to his marvelous light into a different type of relationship with him, a different master we serve. We serve our God. We serve Christ. So I think, you know, it, it's very clear that, that we must repent if we are to fall under what Christ has come to do and those he has come to save. The, the fourth thing is that we wrong God with our sin. I think we should all understand that. I think Watson put it very, very eloquently here. He said, there's a great deal of equity in it that we should repent. We have by sin wronged God. Our sin is rebellion against God alone. We are spitting in his face. We're rebelling against him and what he has set up. We have eclipsed his honor. We have dishonored God. We have taken the honor from God and given it to man because sin points to man's uh, to man and, and, and glorifies him. We have infringed his law and we should reasonably make him some reparation. That means repent to him and, and, and give him honor back and give him glory. By repentance, we humble and judge ourselves for sin. We see, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. I repent for this. I feel, I feel sorrow. I feel hatred for this sin. I, I want to turn from this sin. We set, to our, we set to our seal that God is righteous if he should destroy us. It's well within his rights. He's, he's well within his rights. He, he would be completely righteous to wipe us off the face of the earth because of all of the sin and rejection and rebellion that we've done against him. 
and thus we give glory to God and do what lies in us to repair his honor. How do we repair his honor? By repenting and turning to him, by, by trusting in Christ, return, turning from this evil sin that was is within us. And I think if we're honest, repentance brings glory and honor to God. I know it. Uh, it's not popular in today's world. Uh, doing other things to glorify and honor God is what people want to do. They don't want to repent to do that, but we must repent. That is our lifeline to God. That's how we came unto him, and that's how we should remain in him, by being repentant and turning from this sin that so easily comes upon us. Now, the last thing that Watson said I think is very interesting he said, if God saves without repentance, and of course, again, I paraphrase to, to put it in our language. If God saves without repentance, then he must save universally. That means everybody must be saved. If one of us can be saved without repentance, why can't all of us be saved without repentance? I dare say most of us listening and most of us uh, understanding what Watson is saying can will be in the camp of no there's no such thing as universal salvation. Everybody does not get to go to heaven just because. Repentance and trust in Christ is a necessary agreement. How do I know that? Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. How do we understand what he's talking about there? What did Christ do? What does the gospel say he did? He died for our sin, taking all sin upon himself, all of the wrath of God for that sin. And now, when we repent and trust in Him, we are made a new creation, and we have an inheritance. That inheritance is eternal life in Christ with God. That's the only way to Him. There is no universal salvation. Sinner, take note. There is no universal salvation. Everybody doesn't get in. doesn't matter how good a person you think you are. Not everybody's going to make it. So there are two kinds of people uh, that, and, and Watson kind of talks about them. And I kind of started looking around and thinking about what he's trying to say and where he was coming from. And I, and I thought maybe I can clarify this a little bit. The way to clarify that is to bring it into a little bit more of a modern term, maybe something we can all understand. But there are two kinds of people who find repentance very difficult. And it is hard for the man of God or even the regular Christian, anybody to call them to repentance. It's, it's very difficult. And, and there's two of those people. Uh, a, you have those that are church attenders, um, but they've never repented. They've gone to church all their lives and they've never repented. Um, I dare say, um, uh, a quote that comes to mind is, is uh, an interview that um, uh, Trump did um, when somebody asked him, you know, if he ever repented. And he said, repent, why do I need to repent? I've never done anything wrong. I believe, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. I try to do good things. So, you know, why do I need to repent? And that is a place that a lot of people are who sit in your church pews, in my church pews. In, in, in all of our churches and in our family circles and our friend circles, those people who go to church, uh, maybe they're even regular attenders. Maybe they're on the membership rolls, but they don't, have never repented and trusted in Christ for their salvation. That's a dangerous place to be. Listen to what uh, Hebrews 6, 8 says about that. It says, but if it bears 
thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near being cursed and its end is to be burned. You've talked, he's kind of expounding on what Jesus talked about, about the vine, that the, the branches that don't bear fruit um, will be hacked off and burned. Um, he asked for fruits bearing with repentance and, and, and keeping with repentance, right? So if we're in church and we can do all these things, but if we're not bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, if you've never repented and trusted in Christ, you have not done the thing that God has asked you to do in order to be saved. You are just a church attender. You're the almost Christian is what you are. Um, I love the example that um, Watson gave in the book uh, in this section about that. He said that it's like a piece of metal sitting in a fire that refuses to be purified and refuses to be changed and molded into what it's supposed to be. It just sits in the fire and won't move. That's very similar uh, to, to how we could, we should see those who are church attenders yet never repent and never turn towards Christ as they should, as he has commanded us. Um, will they be like the fig tree? And that's a scary thought. Let's, let's look at what Jesus said to the fig tree. Matthew 21, 19 says, And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. That's a harsh, harsh thing that happened. Why did it happen? Well, because this fig tree had the leaves. It should have had the fruit. did not have any. It was sitting there in the in the orchard like it should, or surrounded by other fig trees, probably producing figs, and yet it did not do the one thing necessary to make it viable as a fig tree. So Jesus said, you'll never bear fruit, and in fact, bye-bye, boom, it's withered and dead instantly. So we must be cautious. Search your heart. Are you repentant? Have you repented of sin? Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? You can sit in church for, for decades and avoid repentance and trust in Christ, just thinking I'm doing good enough because I'm here. It's not enough. This B, the, the other type of people would be those that know the Word of God, have a conscience of sin, understand what sin is, yet... They choose to continue with sinfulness because they love it. Uh, Job 24, 13 said, those, There are those who rebel against the light, who are not acquainted with its ways and do not stay in its paths. So uh, the, the quote that um, Watson said about that very particular verse was that it is one thing for thing to sin for a want of light and another thing to sin against the light. So when we understand, we know what God desires. We understand his word. We, we understand exactly what he asks of us. And we claim that we're, yeah, we're in there. We're professing Christians. And yet we don't repent for sin because maybe I like doing that. I want to keep doing that. And I'm not going to pick out people's pet sins. There's no need. You, you, if it's you, you know what you're talking, you know what I'm talking about because I've been there. I know what it's like 
Okay. You, you, you decide, ah, maybe it's not talking about this. Maybe it's not talking about, okay. It's a rejecting of the very spirit of God, which convicts us of what sin is. Um, here, Watson has described, I think, two kinds of unrepentant people. Like we talked about the first one, the almost Christian. I go to church, I listen, I go home, I pay my tithes even maybe. I do all these things, yet I do not repent for sin. I do not trust in Christ. And then there's the professing unrepentant. Those who, uh, you see, the almost Christian is the one who, who believes that almost he believes in almost everything, but refuse to repent and believe in the gospel. So we, it's a clear moment. Those professing unrepentant are the ones who know the truth and the word of God and just love sin more. Um, I love God and the word of God, but I just feel like that part is not for me. You know, not letting go of that is just, it's not, it's not for me. God hasn't, God hasn't told me to do that. Well, if he's told you in his word, he's told you to do it, but they, they sin against the light. Both are unrepentant and difficult to reach. How do I know? Because as somebody who preaches the word of God, it's very difficult to reach those people. And we also know that there are those who are just lost and absolutely in need of the gospel and a call to repentance to trust in Christ, to get them out of that sin and, and, and into Christ. Repentance, listen to me, repentance is the hope for the sinner and it is the lifestyle of the Christian. We don't stop repenting at some point when we're just good enough. No, it is the lifestyle that we lead. And unrepentance has, has been an issue throughout all of history. And I think that it continues in our day. Um, Matthew eleven twenty. this is what happened with Jesus dealing with unrepentance. When he's the son of God, preaching the word of God to these people face to face and being rejected, uh, Matthew eleven twenty 20 says that then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Um, that's, a, that's probably a familiar set of scripture for you when he talks about uh, woe to you, Tyre, you know, this country, because if it had been done here, they would repent it, but you won't. You know, it, it's amazing because he's doing such great works and yet they're sinning against the light. They refuse to repent it was a major issue in jeremiah's day in fact it's probably one of the main reasons jeremiah was called to be the prophet that he was to call them to repentance jeremiah 8 6 says i have paid attention and listened but they have not spoken rightly no man relents of his evil saying what have i done everyone turns to his own course like a horse plunging headlong into battle they're running steadfastly towards their sin. They're not repenting. They, they refuse to repent. Uh, it, it was happening in Jeremiah's day. Jeremiah 2.25 says, Keep your feet from going unshod and your throat from thirst. But you said, It is hopeless, for I have loved foreigners, and after them I will go. So turning from God to other things like sin, idolatry, those things that, that, that pull us away from the path that God would have us to take, um, we must turn, turn back towards God. We must repent in those moments. Uh, Jeremiah 5, 3 says, O Lord, do not your eyes look for truth? You have stuck them, struck them down, but they have felt no anguish. You have consumed them 
but they refuse to be to take correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. So these people were going through times of trouble because God was having to punish them. He was bringing forth wrath on this earth, judgment upon this nation to try and turn them to himself. But they refused to repent. And I know what you're thinking. That sounds so familiar with our day. And, and you're right. It does sound familiar with our day. It really does. God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. We must repent. And, and whatever the sin is, God calls us to repent. If you are in Christ, repentance doesn't stop at the moment you're saved. You, you begin a life of repentance to to turn from those wicked ways, to, 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 to see the joy of your salvation in the face of your Savior, knowing that if I confess these things to him, he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. What a beautiful thing to understand in Christ. Unrepentance is caused by a hardness of heart. Either your heart's stone or you've turned towards your sin and away from your God. First uh, Timothy 4, verse 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to de deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose, conscience, whose consciences are seared. Um, Watson speaks on this on page 62. Hardness of heart results at last in the conscience being seared. Men have silenced their consciences, and God has seared them. Listen to this. And now he lets them sin and does not punish. Why should you be stricken anymore? That's Isaiah 1.5. As a father gives over correcting a child whom he intends to disinherit. Bible and Romans talks about when he gives us over to our sinful ways. Sinner, there's going to come a time when you will be turned over. Repent. For he is, call, he is drawing you through the power of his Holy Spirit to repent. That's what he calls you to. That's what he calls you for. A life of repentance. I want to pray for you. Uh, before we end this uh, in this uh, teaching. Father God, thank you so much for your word and the repentance that you have granted to us through Christ that we can come to you confessing our sins and you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, I ask you right now, those who are Christians, touch their hearts with conviction that they may know it's time to turn from sin and repent. God, for our particular sins, that we may see them, have conviction for them, and repent for them specifically. God, I ask you for that. God, I also ask for those who are the almost Christian, or the professing unrepentant. God, remove that veil from their eyes that they may see their sin clearly and repent and turn to you, knowing that you are their only hope. And God, I pray for those who are lost, who may hear this. Sinner, you have no hope outside of Christ. You must turn to Christ. You must repent for your sin and turn to Christ, God. Convict their hearts and draw them unto yourself. We thank you so much for your Holy Spirit that it does that. God, bless your people. 
and turn hearts towards you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So uh, don't forget Reality Church. We have church Sunday. Uh, Sunday school starts at 10 a.m. It's awesome. So come enjoy it with us. Um, we will continue doing our B2B teachings. Uh, we may be looking at a point now where we are going to start gathering for Wednesday night and also continue live streaming because I think that's important too. I think there are some who, who enjoy that aspect. So we want to, we want to fulfill those needs as well. But I think it's, it's, it's getting close to time where we need to start gathering again. And we will, as an, uh, the, as the elders, we will look at how we want to do that and, and how that will look and hopefully have you some news soon on that. Uh, that you may gather with us, but um, be in prayer for that. Um, and now let me bless you before we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.